Well, good morning, everybody. I'm particularly excited to preach today. I don't know why. I'm thinking that's God, the Holy Spirit. Also, Holly Holm knocked out Ronda Rousey. I always love when underdogs win. It's just built in my soul from walking uh, Rocky from a young age. I will see Creed on Thanksgiving Day. Those kind of things happen in my life. Um, today I just want to talk about learning to enjoy God in a season where you're carrying many burdens. See, burdens will paralyze you. Burdens will take away your joy. Burdens will keep you from in doing the will of God. Burdens will crush you because we were not made to carry the weight of the burdens we try to carry. We try to carry the weight of the burdens that only a Savior can carry. And when we try to carry the burden that only a Savior is made to carry, you will be crushed, you will not be fruitful, you will live in fear, you will be depressed, and you will not enjoy God. This is not only trying to live the burden, carry the burdens of the Savior for your own life, but carrying the burden of a Savior for other people's life. And I want people to really hear that today, that you are freed by the gospel of Jesus Christ not to be the Savior of your own life and not to be the Savior in other people's life. And when you try to carry those burdens, you will not enjoy God, you will not be fruitful, you will be crushed. So my wife is catching up on a show that they like kind of reinvented and brought back called Heroes. Everyone remember Heroes? Good for the first three seasons. You know, kill the cheerleader, kill the, I don't even remember, save the cheerleader, save the world. And it was good, then all of a sudden you're like, what just happened to the show? I, I'm not watching this anymore. I don't even know how the first season ended, but the second season's starting all right. It's starting out all right. So my wife's getting into it, and I, I came in in this scene. So this guy had learned... He had spent his life actually trying to kill people with these special gifts. And then he found out that he was someone who had those special gifts. So what he did, and remember, I came in in a certain place, so I don't know what he threw in his backpack, but it was weight. He packed up this backpack with weight. I don't know if he threw rocks in there. I don't know if there were dumbbells in there. I don't know what he put in there. He put them in, and it, so when he jumped in the water... This weight on his back was going to bring him to his death. Another woman who had all these powers did some sort of wind thing. This is when I walked in. I said, what's going on? The wind that this woman had lifted him up out of the water because the weight of his backpack was bringing him down and down to his death. Lifted him up and brought him up onto dry land. He got on dry land. He's a little upset because he's like, I was trying to crush myself. I was trying to drown myself. What are you doing? And she said, no, we need you to save the world. We need you for this. You needed to be saved, and the backpack fell off with all the weight. The reason I tell you that story is because the gospel is, we carry the weight of our sin. We carry the weight of our shame. We carry the weight of our guilt. And it was crushing us. We were drowning. And God, through the wind of the Holy Spirit, lifted us up, threw us on dry land to do his will, to do his will. And what we try to do every morning, we wake up with that backpack 
and we start throwing stuff in it, right? Oh, a little bit of anxiety, boop. I'm a little depressed, whoop. I don't like that person, making me miserable, put it in the backpack, right? And we begin to pack our backpack. How am I going to provide myself? What's going to happen in the future? And we fill that backpack up with all these burdens, and we become crushed. Until we look to Jesus, and he takes that backpack off and says, you're not built to carry that. And that's something I want you guys to, to hear today. You are not built to carry the weight you are trying to carry with all your burdens. You can instead cast all your burdens onto God because he cares for you. In Psalm 94, 19, it says, The cares of my heart are many, but your consolation cheers my soul. Would everyone agree at times in our life, the cares of our heart are many? And they weigh us down. But the consolation of the gospel cheers our soul. It lifts our burdens. It makes us a lot lighter so we can actually enjoy God even in seasons where we're tempted to lift up the burdens of our life. Let's turn to Psalm 55 and read together. It says, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint, and I moan because of the noise of my enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. For they drop trouble upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horrors overwhelm me. And I say, O Lord, that I had wings and I could fly like a dove. Or if I had wings like a dove, I added in the fly because I was getting amped up. I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find shelter from the raging wind and the tempest. Destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues. For I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around on its walls and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruins in its midst. Oppression and fraud do not depart from its marketplace. For it is not an enemy who taunts me then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me, then I could hide from him. But as you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend, we used to take sweet counsel together within God's house. We walked in the throng. Let death steal over them. Let them go down Sheol alive, for evil is in their dwelling place in their heart. But I call to God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage, for many are arrayed against me. God will give ear and humble them, he who was enthroned from of old, because they do not change and do not fear God. My companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech was smooth as butter, yet war was within his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burdens on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will not permit the righteous to be moved, but you, O God, will cast them down into the pit of destruction. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days, but I will trust you. See, I want us to begin looking at the Word of God and understanding that the Word of God is alive. That this is a historical book with the most historical real-life events, the most historical people, most important people in the most important places. 
This isn't a place where we go to hear myths that make us feel good about life that are not reality. This is historical. So we need to understand the context that the people who write these psalms or write the book and the scripture on the inspiration of God, write the Bible, that they were real people in real history, in real time, who the Holy Spirit moved on to write this word for us today because it's alive. David really lived 1,040 B.C. to 970 B.C. David lived. He's writing this psalm in his older years. He's fleeing for his life. And the person who is chasing him is his own son. It's his own son who is chasing him to take his throne. So I want to get into the backstory of this so we understand the context and maybe can relate to some of the burdens that David is going through in this season of burdens when he writes this. David had many sons. He had many daughters. His oldest son name was Amnon. His third son name was Absalom. One of his daughters was named Tamar. Now he had many, but I'm going to single out them so you understand the backdrop of this psalm when he writes it. Amnon, his oldest son, had a perverted love for his sister, Tamar. Tamar was very beautiful. He was attracted to her, and he lusted to have her physically. He had a perverted love for his sister, so much that it made him physically sick. He would get physically sick because he wanted Tamar so much. One day, he went to a person he knew, And he said, I love my sister, what do I do? And this person gave him horrible counsel. He said, pretend you are even more sick than you are. And when you are sick, ask for your sister to cook for you a meal to get better. And when she comes to that place, overtake her. She came and she been, Tamar came and began to cook a meal for her brother Amnon. And when she brought the meal to his bedside, He grabbed her. She pleaded with him, do not do this. Do not dishonor me. Do not shame me. But he still violated her and he raped his own sister. Once he finished raping her, he immediately hated her as much as he pervertedly loved her. And he said, get her out of my presence He shut the door and commanded her to leave, and she ran out, and she mourned, and she was on her knees crying and weeping. At this time, Absalom saw his sister Tamar weeping and went to her and said, what happened? He said, did Amnon violate you? He was suspicious. She said, yes, and she mourned and grieved, and Absalom put in his heart, he says, I'm going to bring vengeance on my brother. A few years went by. Absalom had it in his heart, David's son. Now, David's son, Absalom, was, I'll get to that after. Absalom had a feast. He invited all the king's sons to this feast. And when Amnon had a few drinks too many, he ordered his men to kill Amnon. So Absalom was responsible for the murder of his brother. When Absalom killed Amnon, he took off and fled right away for a few years. David loved Absalom deeply. I want you to understand the kind of person Absalom was. First of all, 
It says he was the most handsome brother in the land. From the soles of his feet to the top of his head, he said he was without blemish. This brother would cut his hair once a year and they would weigh it. This brother had voluptuous hair. When you're weighing hair, you know you got something to brag about. He was more charismatic than anyone you could imagine. He was charismatic in ambition. Those two things, when the heart is not right, can be devastating to the kingdom of God. Because some of us right away, there's a temptation to empathize with Absalom, right? There's a temptation, wow, that was heinous crime that Amnon did to his sister Tamar. Heinous. I agree with you. But the problem was, in that day, it was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Meaning, Amnon, even though it was a heinous crime he committed, he did not kill his sister. So the fact that Absalom killed his brother for a crime, it didn't match in people's eyes. It wasn't just, even though there was some empathy. But if it stopped there, you'd have much empathy for Absalom, even with that, knowing that. But the story doesn't stop there. Absalom was corrupt of heart. He wanted his father's place as the king. He would badmouth his father constantly. He would stay at the city gates and say, why isn't the king out here to hear you? And he would kiss people's hands. He had that charm and the good look and the ambition. People, I love some Absalom. And all of a sudden people said, I want Absalom to be king, not David. And he bent to conspire against his father. Not just to take his throne. He wanted to kill his father. His father had a flea for his life. And to further the corruption of Absalom, who turned on his dad, because what David did is after Absalom fled, after about two or three years, he said, bring Absalom back. And he didn't see him for two years after that, but he said, I miss my son. And he called Absalom before him, and they were affectionate, and he kissed his son, and he loved his son. But what he did was, when Absalom kissed sinning, when people heard of treason, when, people heard, when he heard that his son was trying to take his throne, he didn't take any action. He didn't take an a- any action when it came to that. To the point where he had to flee. And to make matters worse, Absalom showed up when his father fleed. And so David had many wives. And this is for another subject. God did not okay polygamy, but he allowed it even though it wasn't necessarily right. And he never said, you know, when there was Adam and Eve, there was two. In the New Testament, you see a husband of one wife. God never endorsed polygamy. These men had many sinful things about them. And one of them was they wanted a lot of wives. And what happened is David left some of his second-tier wives that were called concubines. And once again, this is a whole other message. I don't want to sidetrack us on concubines. Because we can go there, right? Everyone's like, what are you trying to say up there? He left 10 of his second-tier wives back to take care of the household. Absalom showed up, and one of his main counselors, David, who was his friend, you know he's talking about his companion. You were close to me. You counseled me. Ahithophel, yeah, I'm learning to say these names. Ahithophel was a counselor of David who went with Absalom, and he counseled Absalom in the conspiracy. He said, sleep with all of David's concubines to show all of Israel that you are now dominant and you are king. So Absalom is doing these things, because I want to take that empathy away that you might have so you see how corrupt of heart he is. Absalom does all these things to his father. He's chasing down his father. His father's fleeing. 
And then David pens this psalm under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand the burdens now? The rejection, the betrayal. My son, who I love, who is gifted, is trying to take my throne. My counsel, who is my companion, who helped me in wars to overcome, he wants me killed. These are the burdens that David is carrying right now when he pens this psalm. Now, David goes from, I want to fly away like a bird. You know things are bad when you start, man, if I could be a dove, I'd fly to Florida. You know things are bad when you start imagining and fantasizing, man, if I was an eagle, I'd just fly, dog. David's stressed. I want to fly like a bird. I want to get away. I want to go to the wilderness. I want to go where no one is. I don't know anyone. Anyone ever been on 95 and thought, I'm just going to keep driving? Anyone have a 95 moment? I said, man, it's straight to Florida. (laughs) Right? I'm going to find a little town, adopt a new name, a new vocation. No one knows me. And I'm going to fly like a bird, baby. This is what's going on in his head. I'm going to fly away. I don't want to deal with the burdens of my life. I want to deal with things. I don't want to go through this. I can't handle it. David, David rightly understood that he was not able to carry the weight of the situation. And I want you to keep hearing this. There are situations you are not able to carry the weight of it. <clears throat> and if you start to try to carry the weight of it, you'll be flying away like a bird. You have to give the weight to a Savior, to a God who can handle it so you can have joy during those seasons of life. So there was a time when I was in my early 20s, (coughs) I got a new um, TV for my apartment. (coughs) It was a big TV. It was before flat screen, so the TV weighed about 175 pounds. It was just like square, had little things on the wood. You know what I'm talking about. (coughs) Someone gave me a TV. I asked one of my buddies to help me with it and quickly realized he was the wrong guy to ask. You ever have have that happen? You're moving someone and realize he was the wrong person to ask? He's like, hold on, just pull something. I can't do this, dog. So I said, man, what am I going to do? Number one, I'm not being the guy. You know when you're on the back end going up the stairs? I'm not being that guy if someone's feeling at the top and gets crushed by a 175-pound TV. So I said, I got to call someone who can really help me carry the weight of this TV. I called Cliffy. I hope you remember the story. I said, Cliffy got big arms. He works. He works the traps, dog. I said, I need someone who can help me carry the weight of this TV. Cliffy was in his 40s. And Cliffy was still, you know, still scoring 30 in pickup games when he was in 40s. So he was in good shape. He shows up with his Pepsi jacket ready to go, sleeves rolled up. Let's do this. Now, I was expecting that I was going to carry one end and Cliffy was going to get on the other end and my friend was going to cheer because he lost his spot. Cliffy walks in. I don't know what he ate that day. He says, put it on my back. I said, what? He said, he got on the stairs, said, put it on my back. I said, what are you talking about, Doc? Put it on your back. He, he was, you know, when someone's in the zone, you just say yes. I didn't work through the whole situation. I said, when a brother offers to carry a TV up the stairs, I'm not going to stop him. We put the TV on his back, and he began to crawl up three flights of stairs around the corner and just got up like, you see how I do. I was not able to carry that weight. Have you seen my calves? I have the calves of a baby deer. You understand me? 
If I tried to squat up those stairs, I couldn't have brought that up the stairs. But I gave it to someone who was able to carry the weight or I would have been crushed. I tell you the parable of the TV. (laughs) Because you need to remember that in your life. If you try to carry those things, you're not built for it. You will get crushed. But when you give those burdens, when you give that weight to God, you enjoy the fact that the TV got up to the third floor and you didn't have to carry it. See, because those burdens are the burdens of a Savior. And um, this is what I really want to focus on right now. And I want us to really start creating categories in our mind that we are not a Savior. Because when we try to be a Savior, it's going to mess up your life. When I was nine years old, I remember a moment in my life where my family was so dysfunctional, it was so broken, people going through so much pain, so much fear, so much anxiety, so much um, brokenness, that I actually, in my nine-year-old little soul, said, I can make things better. I said, I can fix this. I don't care how long it's going to take. I said, I'm taking on this burden. I can act as a functional savior in this family. I had a Messiah complex. Do you know that I failed miserably because I can't save my family? I can't. And those burdens all the way, I don't think that burden maybe end until I was in my early 30s. Years and years of fruitlessness of trying to act as a functional savior and having a Messiah complex and that burden The weight was so heavy that many times I could not enjoy God and I could not enjoy stuff in my life and I could not enjoy the gospel. The reason I tell you that is because I want to relieve you of being a savior to your family and to your friends in your life because you can't save them. Your family, your friends are broken and you can't fix them. You are broken and you can't fix yourself. There's only one who can save, and he's a savior, and that's Jesus Christ. Do you guys hear that? You must give your burdens for the people you love mentally and in prayer to God because you are not built to carry them. David should have put boundaries up in his life for Absalom. David should have brought consequences for the treason and the rumors and the bad talk and all those things that Absalom was doing. What he didn't do was enabled his son to bring destruction to his kingdom. And some of us, because of the burdens we're carrying for others, acting like we're a savior, we're actually destroying the people around us This is an important lesson to learn today. Because as long as you play the office, and I play the office of Savior in the people we love's life, they will never need Jesus. Because they will look to you to be their Savior. I mean, people always need Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? But they won't realize they need Jesus because you become the Messiah to them. So I want to balance this out and help you to think through this. There's a difference between being responsible for the people you love and being a savior to the people you love. 
And I want to give you a few examples of that. We are responsible, just a few real life situations here. We are responsible for someone by giving someone money when they are in a desperate need of money to survive. That's a good act. That's a Christian thing, right? We are being someone's savior when we give them money constantly, even though they keep making detrimental decisions that put them in a desperate situation. Do you guys see the difference there? That's the difference between being responsible and being someone's savior. You could say being responsible and enabling someone. There are many people who are enablers who are playing savior in people's lives. So when you say you're enabling them, what you're saying is you're trying to be Jesus in their life. Secondly, we are responsible for someone when we forgive them of hurts, selfishness, and destructive behavior towards us and others. We are acting as a savior when we create no boundaries in our life to protect our family, friends, and self when they do not repent of that behavior and continue to behave sinfully. Do you guys hear the difference there? The forgiveness, the love, the responsibility. But when we don't put up boundaries so their actions are not detrimental, when they're not repenting of their sin, we become their savior. And we're hurting them because we're playing in an office and they need the true savior, Jesus Christ. We are responsible for people when we tell them we will be there for them when they need us. We are playing savior when we allow them to turn to us for every issue instead of leading them to Jesus to fix their problems. Do you guys hear that? Are there someone in your life that you're playing Jesus to them? You turn to me for every problem. I'm there every time. Problem is you're going to be crushed on that person because you can't handle it. And that person is going to look to you instead of look to Jesus. Hear the weight of this because this advances the kingdom of God. This lifts burdens. This allows you to enjoy God. And this allows people to find Jesus. So that's for other people, that burden, when you carry the burden of a Savior. Now, we try to be the Savior in our own life too, don't we? I'm going to be so good that God's going to have to love me. You're going to love me. I'm going to do so many good works that he's going to have no choice but let me through those pearly gates. He's going to see me. He's going to be like, there he is. There he is. Right there. Loving people. We try to act like our own functional saviors. Like I can be good enough. I can do many good works. I can provide for myself. Many of us are running around like chickens with our heads cut off. Because we're trying to be a savior and provide for ourselves, And I want to hit this again. Don't seek your provision first. Don't seek money first. Seek God first, and he will add all those things onto you. That's what the scripture teaches us. And when we try to be a savior in those areas, you'll be crushed by those burdens. But when you wake up and say, I have a savior who's watching over my life, I have a Savior who's carrying my burdens. I have a Savior who's come through 100% of the time. When you bat a 1,000, would you ever be worried when that guy stepped to a plate? No. Jesus has always come through for us. We don't have to be our own saviors. There is only one who can carry the weight of our sin, and his name is Jesus, and he is the Savior. There is only one who can carry the guilt and shame that we have. And his name is Jesus, and he is our Savior. There's only one who can provide for you every single day of your life. 
and his name is Jesus, and he is the Savior. There's only one who can save your family and one who can save your friends, and his name is Jesus, and he is the Savior. There's only one who could save the world and carry that weight and all those burdens and carry that cross, and his name was Jesus, and he is the Savior. Live in that truth, and all your burdens, cast them on the Lord because he can carry them. And live in the joy of that salvation. Live in the joy of that Savior. Amen?